and extend a very warm welcome to everybody uh, this morning on behalf of Stornoway Free Church and uh, we pray that we will know God's blessing as we seek to worship God and that we will know his presence and peace with, wherever we are as we gather before him today. We're going to begin our service by reading from Psalm 25 and this is in Sing Psalm, Psalm number 25 and we're going to sing verses, uh, we're going to read verses 4 to 11. It's in Sing Psalms, Psalm 25. <clears throat> o Lord, reveal to me your ways, and all your paths help me to know. Direct and guide me in your truth, instruct me in the way to go. You are my Saviour and my God, all day I hope in you alone. Remember, Lord, your love and grace, which from past ages you have shown. Do not recall my sins of youth, or my rebellious evil ways. Remember me in your great love, for you, O Lord, are God, are good always. Because the Lord is just and good, he shows his paths to all who stray. He guides the meek in what is right and teaches them his holy way. To those who keep his covenant laws, he shows his love consistently. For your name's sake, O Lord and my God, forgive my great iniquity. Uh, let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, as we come before you today, we echo the words of the psalmist. And we ask, Lord, that you will indeed show us your ways. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Thy paths, O teach thou me. That's what the psalmist said. And we will say the very same thing. Because we have to confess, Lord, that we do not know the right way to go. And we have not the ability on ourselves to make the right choices and the right decisions. And so often in life, as we come to all the varied situations in life, uh, your word is there to direct us and the principles are there, but so often we forget these things or sometimes we have to confess that we choose not to take, not to follow them. And we ask you to forgive us. But we pray, Lord, that in all our lives that you will direct us in the right way to go. You have said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. And we pray that that guiding eye of God may be upon us and that you will help us make the right decisions, decisions which are ultimately for the glory of God and decisions which would be good for us as well and good for other people too. Because so often what we do affects not only our own life personally, but the lives of others. Help us to remember that and help us always to have the, the big picture in view because it's so easy to become very selfish and self-centered in our outlook and be preoccupied with just what concerns ourselves. Help us then, Lord, to have this, this vision about us so that we will always be looking to you and seeking that our lives will be uh, focused upon you and that this is the way that we will go so that we will know that we are, as we walk with you and hopefully in communion with you and fellowship with you, that we will know your blessing and your peace upon us and that we might be persuaded that <clears throat> the way that we're going is the right way. We ask, Lord, to forgive us our sin when we go the wrong way. And we have to confess, Lord, that far too often we do the wrong thing and we say the wrong thing. Forgive us, Lord, for our attitude sometimes to others and to other situations. Forgive us, Lord, for the way that we think about certain people or 
the way we think about different situations, which are, we know are not right. Forgive us, Lord, for the pride and the lusts of the flesh that are so often part and partial of our lives. Help us to remember that uh, the lust uh, that these lusts war against the soul, uh, but they, they are part and partial of who we are. So it is a fight we are to, commanded to put to death these things. And we know, Lord, what a struggle that is. Have mercy upon us, and we pray. We give thanks for all the encouragement that your word gives us, and uh, we are commanded so often to do uh, according to your... We're commanded all the time to do according to your law, and we feel insufficient for these things. But we give thanks, Lord, that what you tell us to do, you will also help us to do uh, through the ministry of your Spirit. And so we pray that we might know the Spirit's guiding and leading and the Spirit strengthening and encouraging us in the faith. Pray to bless every home and every family and all who are in need. We give thanks, Lord, that we can bring all our worries and sorrows and problems and even our joys and the great moments of our lives and these things that have brought so much uh, laughter and joy and happiness within to our, into our lives. We pray that we will give you thanks for all these things, recognizing that you are the God who gives to us, and that every good and perfect gift comes to us from above. Pray then as we come under your word today that you will bless it to us, that we will be taught of the Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and minds that are ready to obey. Help us in all our relationships one with another, whether it is ecclesiastical regarding the church or whether it is family, or whether it is at work, or in school, or in the community, uh, neighborhood, wherever it is, Lord, we pray that you will help us in all our relationships. We pray, Lord, that you will be with families, bless husbands and wives, and uh, we pray that you will encourage them and strengthen their relationships. We pray for family, for children, for boys and girls. We ask, Lord, that you will help them as they grow up in life, and uh, that uh, they will be uh, such that Indeed, are taught of the Lord. We give thanks, Lord, for a virtual Sunday school and what great gifts and abilities our Sunday school teachers have. We give thanks for the opportunities that are given for the instruction of the young at home. And we pray, Lord, that this will be a blessing to the homes. And we, we know, Lord, that you are always a step ahead. In fact, you're a lifetime ahead. In fact, you're a world ahead. But you are making preparation and that this is no accident, the way that things are working out. And we pray that the blessings uh, that will come from this may indeed have lasting benefits in many of the homes. We pray, Lord, then, that you will be with our young people, and particularly at such a difficult time for them. Remember those uh, at all the various stages, uh, whether it is in childhood or in going right up into the teen years, and those who are maybe finishing, looking at finishing school or looking to go to other places of learning or to follow trades or move into another into occupation. And it's so difficult just now. The, the whole structure seems to be in, in standstill or sometimes collapsing. All as a result of this pandemic. And, oh, Lord, oh, God, have mercy upon us. We pray that you will deliver us and protect us. And may we see your hand. Oh, may our leaders see your hand in the deliverance. So that 
uh, we will not come to ruin because it would be very easy because uh, it wouldn't take much to bring us even further and further down. We give thanks for the development of the vaccine. We pray that this will prove so effective and we pray that we will be brought back to a greater degree of normality uh, sooner rather than later. We pray to bless all her staff, uh, NHS staff and all our carers and all who do so much uh, to alleviate the illnesses and diseases and particularly with regard to the COVID. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you will bless all households and families that are struggling just now through isolation and separation. Uh, it is very, very difficult. And we pray for all those who are struggling with with uh, mental issues, we ask, Lord, that you will, that you will indeed be with them and help them, and be with those who sorrow and mourn, those who have lost loved ones. We commit them to your care. Bless our leadership in Holyrood and in Westminster and locally here in the council. Oh, Lord, guide in the right way. Otherwise, we're we're finished. We need you. We need your help. We need your direction. And so we ask your blessing upon us and uh, that you will be merciful to us. Cleanse us from our every sin, we pray in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> right, just a, a wee word uh, to the young folk. One of the things that uh, always happens to you as you grow up is that uh, you will fall. Uh, nobody sets out in a day to fall unless, unless of course, you're a stuntman or a rugby player or a goalie, because if you're if you're somebody who plays rugby, you will spend half your time. Particularly if you're going to uh, score a try, you 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 fall down with the ball. And if you're a stunt man or stunt woman, it involves falling. That's your job. But normally, for people, we don't like to fall. Now, of course, when you start learning to walk, you keep falling all the time. And young people, uh, they are so you kind of really tough. Because you, you kind of bounce back up. And most falls for young people, unless you end up hitting something or hitting your head or something, which can be terrible, a lot of the falls that young people have, it's just maybe just getting dirty or maybe getting a few cuts or bruises. It's nothing too serious. Sometimes there are serious falls. But young people, they fall all the time. In fact, if you're out and you see a, a young person falling, uh, you know, if it's just a normal fall, you, you don't think too much of it because you say, well, that's what happens with young people. But when you see an older person fall, you think, oh, that's, a, that, that's not so good because the older we get, uh, the, the, the more dangerous it is when we fall. And that's why sometimes with really elderly people, when they fall and break their hip, it can be seriously dangerous. So... Falling is, is, is not a good thing. And today in our service, we're going to look at, at this whole thing of falling. When I was young, I was terrible for falling. I was always falling. And it, that was very simply because I was always running and I was always rushing. And I was often not looking where I was going. And so, so often I would trip because I, all, I didn't just run, I went full pelt. I was always dashing. And I remember my parents, mum and dad, used to be, slow down, look where you're going. And uh, my, what I do remember when I was a boy is my knees and legs were always dirty, always cut. There was always blood and there was always mud 
on my knees and on my legs. And I used to get rose for that because my trousers would be dirty and everything. Now, when, when we were young, everybody wore short trousers till you went to secondary school. So right through primary, there was no boy with what everybody nowadays wears, the long trousers. They, they were just short, short trousers. That's what we all wore till we went. But you're not going to believe this. But when I went, started in secondary school, I was still in short trousers. And there was only one other boy, Donny Bake, Donny, Donny McLeod, Donny Bake, who was in short trousers as well. And my mum said, you are not going to get long trousers till you learn to walk and stop falling because you, you, you will rip your knees to shreds in no time uh, with, with long trousers. So this was to get me to... to slow down and to, to walk carefully. But I hated it because I still remember starting secondary school and I was the only person apart from this boy, Donny Big, the two of us, in short trousers and the whole of secondary. And it stuck with me. In fact, it's quite funny. I hadn't seen Donny Big for years and years and years because Donny, when he finished school, he went to sea. He went deep sea and he was sailing all over the world. I haven't seen him for years and years. And when I was studying for the ministry in Edinburgh, I bumped into him on Princess Street one day. I said, Donny Blake, I haven't seen you for ages. We were asking each other what we were doing. And he was a, an officer at sea, he had done well. And uh, we were chatting away. And then he says, hey, do you remember? Do you remember we were the only two boys in the secondary school in short trousers? And I said, you bet I remember. So it was something that stuck with both of, both of us. And I remember saying to my mom and dad, please. And uh, they said, until you learn to, to walk, because we can't afford to be buying new trousers all the time. You're just going to rip them. So I then had to start trying. And it wasn't long, of course, until when I did get the long trousers. It wasn't long until they had to have patches on them because I was falling. And that was very simply because I was careless. I was, uh, uh, looking back, I was really, really careless. And I'm sure that's true for lots of boys and girls often we're careless in the way that we walk. But you know, God wants us to walk with him. Because when you go through the Bible, you will find this so often that God wants us to walk, that we are to walk with God. And God wants us to walk with him carefully. And when we're following God, as we've been talking about that uh, previ previously, about the importance of following the Lord, when we follow the Lord, we have to follow him carefully. One of Jesus' disciples who really loved Jesus was a man we all know of, of Peter. But Peter was somebody who was always rushing as well. Peter was somebody who was careless, or he didn't stop to think before he did something, and he didn't stop to think before he said something. And sometimes that got Peter into problems. And the worst thing that ever happened in Peter's life was he ended up denying the Lord Jesus because he wasn't walking properly with Jesus. It tells us that he was walking far behind. Hadn't stopped following Jesus altogether, but he was following way, 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 way behind. And the problem, what happened then, was because he was following Jesus from so far back, 
he came into a problem and he denied Jesus terribly by saying, I don't know. I, Jesus means nothing to me. I don't follow Jesus. And Jesus was there. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. What a look. And you know, it tells us that Peter's heart was broken. And he went out and he wept. He cried so bitterly because he had denied Jesus who he really loved. But that came about because he wasn't following Jesus properly. And Jesus wants us to follow him and to walk properly. We're told to walk humbly with your God. And that means that we walk in a way where we keep in step with him. And that it, when, that means all the time that we're, that we're looking to him uh, to help us and to guide us and to protect us and to teach us and to forgive us and to be with us. So that all the time we're saying, Lord Jesus, help me to walk with you in the right way. Lord, help me to walk carefully with you. And you know this, if you walk carefully with the Lord, it's the most wonderful way to go through this world because your hand will be in the hand of Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, you don't walk ahead of him. When you walk with Jesus, you don't walk way behind like Peter did. You walk with him, side by side. It's the most wonderful way to walk. And when you walk that way through this world, your life will be filled with the blessings of God. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's word now in the book of Psalms, in Psalm number 37. We're going to read from the beginning of the psalm to the end of verse 26. Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek will inherit the land, and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked, draw, the wicked 
draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright, their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. This morning I want us just to consider the verses, verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 37. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. It would be a very interesting statistic to see just how many people fall in a day. I'm sure it's not just hundreds, and I'm sure it's not just thousands, but I'm sure it's hundreds of thousands. And as we're saying to the young people, nobody sets out to fall unless you're a stuntman or woman or uh, like, the, like a rugby player or a goalie or something like that who's always throwing themselves around on the ground. And uh, falling, of course, is a natural part of growing up, but it becomes quite a serious thing the older we get. And uh, all these things, as we look at it, uh, are equally true spiritually. Because when a young person is beginning to walk, learning to walk, they're prone to falling. You'll never find a toddler who's gone through all their toddling stages and they've never fallen. And I would say it's also true that when young people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or when any person comes to faith and they're young in the faith, when any person comes to when they're young in the faith, we have to give young people or young Christians, and when I mean young Christians, at any more leeway, because you would never come down like a, on a ton of bricks on a toddler who, who'd fall and say, oh, who cares? Yeah, why? And we have to be, we have to be tender and patient and careful and help and encourage young Christians or those who are young in the faith when they start out, because it's a whole new, it's a whole new life. And so, we, we should be aware of these things and be alert and careful uh, for those who are young in the faith. But of course, similarly, when a person is older, then the falls tend to be more spectacular and more noticeable. 
because you don't really notice young people or you're not so aware unless it's a really serious fall. But when, I, when I look, I'm a middle-aged or a, well, a mature person falls or an elderly person falls, it's much more noticeable. It's in some ways much more spectacular and much more serious. And that is true in the, in the Christian life as well. Because it's always sadder because there, there seems to be more implications when when a more mature or an older Christian falls, it's often more noticeable than the likes of David in his life. Because it wasn't as a young Christian that David fell so badly, but as a seasoned, mature Christian. And that is what made it all the more glaring, all the more uh, powerful, and all the more uh, the, the sadder, really, about it all. Now, when David penned this psalm, it tells us here that he was an old man. That's what it tells us in verse 25. I have been young, but now I am old. And David, of course, knew all about falling uh, in, in the later years or in the mature years of life. And, you know, it's always important to, to listen to those who have a wealth of experience. And I would say particularly to the younger folk, listen to the voice of maturity, listen to the voice of experience. Because the those who have lived the life for many, many years, they've had the knocks. They've gone through so many of the experiences that you've yet to go through, and they will help you so much, particularly in your Christian life. It's so important to listen to the voice of experience. Now, I know we live in a changing world, and life used to change kind of generation to generation. Nowadays, life changes at a frightening speed. I have completely lost track of where we're at with regard to attitudes and culture and all sorts of things. The one thing that I've noticed in the, where we are right now is just this growing sense of intolerance because we, we live in a multicultural society and there should be a greater level of tolerance, but unfortunately, the day we're living in, there's less and less tolerance. And I feel that that comes, the more that we reject the Lord, the more intolerant a society will become because at the very heart of the Christian faith is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will be much more tolerant. And uh, the growing intolerance, I believe, is a reflection of how we are turning away uh, from the Christian principles that have so often governed and held up the structure of, of, our, of our nation. Now, I think I've said this before, and I know I have, that when I was a, a young teenager, <laughs> I was, like I suppose a lot of young teenagers are, I, used, I thought the older generation were dinosaurs, and what did they know? And that, I suppose, is part of the excitement and the, just the, the way that the youth, youth is. And I remember thinking that of my father, and I, I used to see him really as a dinosaur, and what did he know about our culture and our way and our life? And his life was a different kind of life. And I, had, I, I must confess that at that particular point in my life, I had this... It wasn't just my dad, but the whole generation. That's the way I thought. And uh, I 
joined in with the, the song of the age, uh, talking of my generation. It's my generation now. But one day, my visitor was in, and I, I overheard them talking, and this was an old seaman who had sailed with my father during the war in the destroyers. And uh, they were talking, they were going through some of the wartime experience that they had shared. He didn't often talk about that side of things. I was, I just heard them talking. And they were talking about things, and I thought, whoa, we're talking about things. Not only I had never experienced, but I never would want to experience. So going sometimes days with no food, no sleep, being bombed all the time, mid-Atlantic. And I thought, whoa. And I remember at that very moment, this understanding came over me. I thought, these guys know life in a way that not only I don't know, I don't even want to know. And a new respect was born in me at that moment for the generation that I had kind of dismissed. And that's why it's important that when we're young, that we listen to those who have already gone before. Although the cultures change and our generational, we talk of generation gaps and all these kind of things, always remember the voice of experience. You can't replace that. It's, it's, it's priceless. And that's why here's David and he says, I've been, I've, been, I've been young, but now I'm old. And that's why it's always worthwhile listening to somebody mature and somebody who has so much experience. And David tells us here that the steps of a man are established uh, by the Lord. And of course, he's speaking here about, about the Christian, because that's, that's what it's saying here, that the, uh, he's, he says the steps of a man are established by the Lord. Uh, when he delights in the way. So this is definitely the Christian because the Lord cannot delight in the steps of somebody who is going in the opposite direction to the Lord or not walking with the Lord. Uh, somebody who doesn't delight. The Lord will only delight in those who delight in him. And the, the non-Christian doesn't delight in the Lord. Uh, any person today, the, the, this in fact is a mark of grace. If you find a delight in the Lord, and you say, you know, I actually, I, I delight in the Lord. He is, he is to me precious. Nobody but somebody who loves the Lord and has come to know the Lord. And you might think today, I don't really know the Lord. Well, if you delight in him, you have. You've come, even though your knowledge might not be very great. But the non-Christian doesn't delight in the Lord. Non-Christian doesn't want to walk in the steps of the Lord. Non-Christian wants to walk in his or her own steps. So God delights in the way of the believer. And of course, right throughout this psalm, the believer and the unbeliever is uh, uh, contrasted all the way through. So the steps of this person here uh, is one that the Lord delights in. And of course, it's the steps of faith. And the moment we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin a journey that starts here and ends in glory. And you know, our journey here, however many years, is only going to be a short time. In fact, this world, <laughs> this world is such a short time that it's like, you know, if you went to stay somewhere, for you say to yourself, well, what? My first year when I was in Glasgow, I was staying in digs. Then I went into a flat, but I was staying in digs and staying. Uh, and 
any letter that was sent to me, it was care of the person whose house it was. It wasn't my house, you see. I was only staying there. So it was care of the person whose house it was. And in a sense, that <laughs> that's exactly how we are in this world. It's care of, because we're only here for a wee while. We're moving on. And so this journey, the steps that we take, all these steps are steps that we take of faith until the Lord will eventually take us home. And the, I suppose the thing that kind of throws us a wee bit is that we discover on this journey that we expect if the Lord is establishing the steps, we say to ourselves, well, if the Lord's establishing the steps and there's a delight of the Lord in this way because we're walking in the way of the Lord, then this should be a smooth passage all the way home. But it verse shows us that's not exactly how it's going to be. Because it shows us here that there is all too strong the possibility that there, are, there could be falls along the way. The fact that the Lord leads us in a certain way doesn't mean that we're immune from trials and temptations. One of the classic examples of that is with the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember how it tells us uh, at the time just after his baptism, it tells us here, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. So the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit didn't tempt Jesus, but the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And sometimes we think that when we believe that we're being led by God's Spirit and then trials or difficulties or temptations come our way, we say, I must have got it wrong. No. We could, in fact, we could almost expect that there will be opposition when we are going in the right direction. And so this shows us that uh, we are, there's, there's a huge possibility and uh, the likelihood of falling. Because you notice what it says, though he fall, when he delights in his way, though he fall. In other words, there is every possibility that this person might fall. There is every possibility that the believer might fall. In fact, it, I would find it strange to ever meet a Christian who went through this world without ever, ever, ever falling. It doesn't mean that the falls are massive falls, but it's almost impossible to imagine any Christian say, you know, I, I never once fail. Falling is all too possible. And uh, the thing is that often when we do fall, straight away we begin to question ourselves and we wonder, am I a Christian at all? How is it possible that I could have done this? How is it possible that I could have reacted and spoken in this way? How is it possible that I could have said these things? If I'm a Christian, if God's grace is in my heart, if I am being led by the Spirit, how is it possible? But you see, this is, this is, this is who we are. And so, although it is, it is sad when we fall, we know that the Bible shows us that, that these things happen. And you know, one of the things that happens when we fall is we're humbled by it, or we should be. 
It's very strange that we aren't, because repeated, if you keep falling, it does, as it did with me as a kid, it made me begin to be a bit more careful. And it's, it's true spiritually as well. And you know, sometimes it can, it can really knock us down. From You know, sometimes as young Christians, we can be a bit opinionated. And sometimes, sometimes some young Christians can be very critical and judgmental and say, oh, this and that and the next thing. And you know, this, after a few bumps and falls, you begin to come off your high horse. And it's not just young Christians that can be judgmental. It can be older Christians as well. But you know, there's a few bands and a few bumps and a few falls. And you begin not to be quite so maybe judgmental and critical of others. And you know, the thing is that if God was to open up to us, you know, can you imagine going to a testimony meeting or going to a question meeting and that all of a sudden God was to reveal, the person who got up to speak was God was to reveal on a screen behind the pulpit what that person was really like, what you were really like, what I was really like. We would crumble, we would run out of the building and say, I can't bear to look at that. That's what we're really like. And God in his mercy hides from us what, what we're really like. So we need to ask ourselves, uh, what, what kind of falls are we most prone to? Well, I suppose there's that we can say. Obviously, sins of the flesh. And the Bible is full of examples of that. The likes of Noah with his drunkenness and uh, David with, with, with his adultery. And we've got to remember that these men, these weren't kind of Christians that just got by. These were believers who were shining examples of great people of faith. They were giants in the faith. And yet we find them falling. It shows us that the potential to fall is, is incredible. Lot and his drunkenness and incense. In fact, when you look at Lot's life, you'd hardly believe. You'd say to yourself, oh, Lord, yeah, you, you, know, you, you followed the Lord for a while, but you lost him. But the New Testament calls him righteous, Lord. Sometimes the sins of the flesh might not be so glaring and obvious as these men. It could be the like of Isaac. Do you remember Isaac? Isaac blessed Esau in spite of God having said that the, the older would serve the younger. The special blessing should have gone upon Jacob the younger. But Isaac, because he liked, his, he liked the meat and he liked the way it was cooked and he liked what Esau was doing and he was kind of in lion tune with Esau. He was determined to give Esau the blessing despite what God was saying. That was a sin of the flesh wasn't the major kind of sin, but it was still a serious sin. It was still a very serious sin. So we remember that the, the flesh is lusting against the spirit. There is a collision course going on within your heart. And the flesh, and the, the lusts of the flesh, some of them are most very obvious. We could go through the whole thing. You go to, to, to Galatians and it'll list there some of the lusts of the flesh. And that we're told that the lust of the that the lust of the flesh they war against the soul. In other words, it just it really damages us. So it's got it's a big fight. We've got to fight. We need God's grace. 
And we've got to be careful because let him that standeth beware lest he fall. Then there's the sins of disobedience. Now, of course, all sin is disobedience. But of course, there are sins of disobedience. Jonah's a classic example. God told Jonah, Jonah to go to Nineveh. And what do we find Jonah doing? Jonah going in the very opposite direction to where God had told him. And you know, we can be like that too, where we deliberately defy what God is saying. We choose to do our own thing. We, as it were, put our fingers in our ears and refuse to listen to what God is saying. And there might be, it might be an attitude of mind that we have, and we know it's wrong, but we refuse to change it. It might be the way that we speak, and we know that it's wrong, but we refuse to change it. It might be the way we think of other people, and we know it's wrong, but we refuse to change it. That is sin. That's real disobedience. Where we, that is where real sin is. Where we know what we're doing is wrong, and yet we refuse to change. God might be showing you that where to go or what to do, and you won't do it because you say to yourself, this is too difficult for me. It's uncomfortable. I, I'm comfortable where I am. I don't want to. No, we have to do and go where God tells us to go. Again, you can have sins of pride. The likes of Hezekiah. Remember when he showed the Babylonian ambassadors all the riches of the temple. And he did it in a spirit of pride and God was displeased. You have to guard against pride. Particularly spiritual pride. Particularly thinking that we're ever above anybody else. That is so wrong. And you know, if there is pride, it's very closely tied in with jealousy. And you know, jealousy is one of the worst curses that can enter into the church, where one person becomes jealous of another. Because the moment that you become jealous or envious of another, murder attaches to it. Jealousy and envy have murder in their way. You want to kill that person. You might say, oh no, I don't. Yes, you do. If you were to strip it down, if God was to reveal to you what murder, what envy and jealousy really brings, you'll see that it's actually murder. You go through the Bible and look at all the examples of those who were jealous and envious of others and they tried to kill them. That's what envy is really like. And it's something you have to pray about. It's terrible to have one minister jealous of another or an elder jealous of another or a deacon or a member. Remember, God has given everybody different gifts. He hasn't equipped everybody, one person with all the gifts. And we've got to remember that. And we've got to appreciate the different gifts that different people have. And God has given the different gifts for the well-being of the church so that when the, everybody pulls together doing their own little bit. It's not a one-man or two-man show, the church. It is where everybody is involved. And that's the best church. It's where everybody is involved with their own particular gifts. And so we have to, this is what we have to do, to live for the Lord, live for his glory, live for his service, working for him, living for him. And you know, if we have this in our mind, if this is our daily thought, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to do for you. Use me in whatever way. doesn't matter how lowly it is. Just I want to be of use. I want to, to work for you. You know, God will, God will bless our lives. That's, that is the way to live. Again, we can fall, for instance, through the fear of man, like Peter we mentioned when talking to the young people. 
And Peter, of course, he, he felt, Peter, who was so proud in himself. And, you know, there's force in numbers whenever, but, you know, when, when Peter became isolated and the enemies were all around, he lost it. And we have to be careful because it's all too easy in a particular situation that we end up denying Jesus. So, as the Bible says, let him that standeth beware lest he fall. But our steps are ultimately established by the Lord. And this is a great thing because the Lord will take us home. The journey is guaranteed. The end of the journey is guaranteed. As the word of God says, he who hath begun a good work in you, <coughs> excuse me, will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that the journey that we take is step by step. The steps. It's not the whole journey, it's the steps of the journey. And that's so important that every single day that we get up, that we say to the Lord, Lord, help me to walk in step with you today. And you know, sometimes we think if we could see further ahead, if we could see into next week, we would order our lives far better. No, we wouldn't. It would be ten times worse. God in his mercy has hidden from us what each day is going to bring so that we walk by faith with him in the moment. That's how we live our life, in the moment. And so we walk hand in hand with him. As we read at the very beginning, show me thy ways, O Lord, thy paths, O teach thou me. But the beautiful thing here that we see is that there will be no fatal flaws. There's going to be all's recovery for the Christian. Because that's what it tells us here. That uh, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Isn't that wonderful? Oh yes, there's going to be falls and trips. But the Lord is in the business of restoring. He restores our soul. He goes out as a good shepherd and gets those who wandered away. The lame and the halt and the, the, all the different things that slow down and impede our walk. The Lord is there to help us. And just as we often use the description of the parent holding the hand of the little toddler and they're walking down together and the little one trips if the parent wasn't holding the hand, it would have been face planting. Bang! Blah! But no, it's not. There's a trip, there's a sometimes swinging in the air, falling. Maybe one hand goes all the way down, but kept from going all the way down because of the divine hand that is holding. And if you are following the Lord, if you are in step with the Lord, no fall that you have will ever be fatal. You know, there's never a cry from hell, ever has been or ever will be. I was walking with the Lord. He had a hold of my hand and look at where I am. No, because nobody can pluck, nobody, not even the powers of darkness and hell, can pluck the believer out of the hand of the Lord. The big question is, are you today walking with the Lord? Are you walking in step? with the Lord? Has the Lord established your way? You make sure then that the, this very day you ask the Lord, if you aren't, because if you aren't walking with the Lord, you're walking on your own. And you're walking in life on your own. And if you die on your own, you enter death on your own. 
and the implications of that. You go to the Bible and just see what it says. You make sure that you're walking with the Lord. Let's pray, Lord our God, we pray that you will bless us and help us to walk with you every step of the way. Take away sin in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude our service singing from Psalm number 80 in the Scottish Psalter, Psalm number 80 from verse 17. O let thy hand be still upon the man of thy right hand, the son of man whom for thyself thou madest strong to stand. So henceforth we will not go back, nor turn from thee at all. O do thou quicken us, and we upon thy name shall call. And so on, Psalm 80, verses 17 to the end. O let thy hand be still upon. O let thy hand be mercy and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.